Hey, 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 y'all. What's up? Welcome. Good to see you. I'm going to get started in just a minute, waiting for my co-host, who's late, to show up. Um, But I'm going to get YCD, Lewis, Dan. If y'all want to be speakers, I would love to have you. And uh, I guess while we're waiting, I'm going to play a song. It's called La Femme Fetal. <laughs> it's by Digable Planets, and it's about abortion, of course. So I'm just going to let that play, let folks filter in, and then we'll get started. All right, thanks for coming. Yay. It was 8.49 on a beautiful night day of July. It was not a cloud to speak of, so the orange sun hung lonely in the sky. I lay prone in my cabin home, thinking of my nappy jacket and his dad's cat's horn. Sliding in a tape of bird on bird, but suddenly ran out of Hey, butterfly, the voice said, slip on some duds, comb out your fro, and slide on down to my bed. The vibe here is very pleasant, and I truly request your presence. A problem of great magnitude has a rose, and as we speak, it grows. Yeah, it could be, I thought, a juice-side boy, and rolled on down to her spot. Seeing rose, I know, slapping fives, I arrived and pressed G5. And there was Nikki, looking some kind of sad, with tears falling from her eyes. She sat me down, dug my frown, and began to run it down. Till I die, till I die, till I die. 
rhythms and sounds, spinning around, confrontations across the nation, your life, my life, dreadlocks, what a shot, land of the free, but not me, not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. back <laughs> hey rla what's up so that was la femme fetale by diggable planets and it's just that was such a prophetic song <laughs> i've always i've always related to that song i've always it's always been in my repertoire that i spin but <sighs> It's just, it was written 20 years ago, and and they predicted precisely what's going to happen. I mean, what is happening? The fascists are some heavy dudes. They don't really give a damn about life. They just don't want a woman to control her body or have the right to choose. But baby, that ain't nothing. They just want a male finger on the button, because if you say war... They will send them to die by the score. Just like Tupac said, they got money for war, but can't feed the poor. But anyway, so as we all know, Roe was overturned officially today. We knew this was coming, but as predicted, it's still causing a whole lot of panic and kind of just wanted to have a space for us to talk about that and um, talk about a whole bunch of issues relating to this subject, actually. Hi, Elizabeth. Nice to see you. Um, so the Democrats also are contur- continuing a virtue signal. How many of y'all got like 20 text messages uh, asking for fundraising? Raise your hand. I can't see you, but... I'm just going to pretend that all of you are raising your hands because <laughs> um, unless unless you've managed to really get your number on an unsubscribe list because they, they, they still get me somehow. I've been unsubscribed for a long time. And, you know, the most frustrating part is that the Democrats are pretty much to blame for this because they could have chosen to codify this and they did not because it's more useful to them as a fundraising tool. Hi, Dane. Nice to see you. Um, so yeah, we're just talking about the fact that Roe was overturned today and we're going to talk about 
what it was like before, why it's so important that we fight against this through direct action and not through the Democratic Party's way of simply sending them money and uh, virtue signaling. So I'm just going to read some facts, statistics, just to give you guys uh, a view of the landscape. So Roe v. Wade was a reproductive freedom case that was passed in 1973. Um, the United States Supreme Court struck down criminal abortion laws in the state of Texas, holding that the right to decide is a fundamental right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. Before Roe, it is estimated that between 200,000 and 1.2 million illegally induced abortions occurred annually in the U.S., as many as five to 10,000 women died per year following illegal abortions, and many others suffered severe physical and psychological injury. And with statistics like this, I always like to assume that the numbers are actually a lot higher than are reported. So that's pretty terrifying to think about. Uh, if you want to hear horror stories, which I'm not going to do that right now, but if you want to hear horror stories, they're out there. They're plentiful. I mean, just type it into the YouTube search bar. Type it into the, the Google search bar. You can hear women's nightmare stories. Uh, it, it's horrific, the things that, that occurred. and. The fact that the Supreme Court has overturned this decision, it's not going to stop abortions from occurring. Simply not. It It's going to mean us going back to back alley abortions. And a conservative estimate of five to 10,000 women dying per year. And if you think that that's going to be rich women dying, <laughs> you're sorely mistaken. It's going to be mostly marginalized communities that are affected by this. Queer communities, and I should be using more inclusive language, I apologize. Uh, people who give birth, the queer community, the disabled community, Racialized people, people that live in poverty, people that can't access access to travel out of state. Um, and that leads me into the subject of trigger laws. So trigger laws are present in 16 states. Um, what that means is essentially these states had laws in place that as soon as the Supreme Court were to overturn Roe v. Wade, that makes abortion immediately illegal in those states. Um, and I'll give you guys a list of the states that have 
those trigger laws in place. They're in place here in Texas, and it's incredibly, incredibly scary. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. It's actually 13 states. Twenty-six states. Wow. Sorry, I knew it was the uh, number was a six or a three. Yeah. Wow. So we've got Florida, Texas, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia which is a six-week ban. So that goes into place in six weeks. Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Yeah, that's incredibly terrifying to read that that many people who give birth are at risk of potentially dealing with forced birth and being forced to raise a child. Now, let's just take a moment and think about what that really entails. First, there's the actual pregnancy, which in itself is traumatic to the body and can be very, very psychologically traumatic, especially if it's unwanted, especially if it's unwanted. Um, That's nine months that a person experiences unbelievable changes to their body and has their agency affected by the medical industrial complex in untold ways. Then there's the actual process of giving birth, which, well, I'm sure Brad could uh, tell us what that's like because he's got kids, but, um, Luckily, I've never experienced it, (laughs) but from what I've seen, what I've heard, it's, uh, it's not, it's not exactly the most pleasant experience, (laughs) especially again, if it's unwanted and there are all kinds of complications that can be faced during the birth process. Many women die again, the maternal mortality rate in this country is absolutely abysmal and does anybody want to take a guess as to which women are the most affected by that which birthing people are the most affected by that ding 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 marginalized women of color specifically black women the the maternal mortality rate for birthing black people is it's shameful 
in the so-called greatest country on earth, <laughs> the, there's a rate of 17 deaths per 100,000 pregnancies. That is absolutely unacceptable. But then, if you look at the differences in the rates for black women and white women, it goes from 14% for white birthing people to 37% for black birthing people. And that's just a testament to the white supremacy that is still flowing through the veins of the authoritarian empire we currently reside in. Um, so trigger laws. And then I also wanted to talk about what it means for other constitutional rights, because we, we've heard a lot of panic about gay marriage potentially being affected. Um, right to contraceptives being affected. Then we heard that that was sort of a moral panic. Um, so let's look at the actual text of the actual opinion. Um, and the part that everybody's uh, been looking at is our good friend, Justice Thomas. Oh, of course it came from him. Ugh. So I'm going to read to you guys the part of the uh, opinion that has got everybody talking. And then uh, I'll start. If you guys want to come up to speaker, uh, we can talk about what that means and get on to the rest of the program. So here we go. So the opinion of the court, I'll start with that. It states that the exercise of the rights at issue in Griswold, Eisenstadt, Lawrence, and Obergefell does not, quote, destroy a potential life, but an abortion has that effect. So if the rights at issue in those cases are fundamentally the same, as the right recognized in Rowan Casey, the implication is clear. The Constitution does not permit the states to regard the destruction of a potential life as a matter of any significance. That view is evident throughout the dissent. And then I'll read the part from Justice Thomas. The court, actually this part's important too. As I have previously explained, quote, substantive due process is an oxymoron 
that lacks any basis in the Constitution. I want y'all to really think about that. As I have previously explained, substantive due process is an oxymoron that lacks any basis in the Constitution. Very interesting. The notion that a constitutional provision that guarantees only, quote, process before a person is deprived of life, liberty, or property could define the substance of those rights. Strains credulity for even the most casual user of words. The resolution in this case is thus straightforward because the due process clause does not secure any substantive rights. And can we just talk about that statement for a second? Because the due process clause does not secure any substantive rights. Now, I'm not a constitutional scholar, and if there are any in the room, please come up here. But I'm pretty sure that due process is a substantive right in itself. Am I wrong about that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm confused. Maybe it's uh, the legalese getting to my lady brain. Um, I'll continue. Because the due process clause does not secure any substantive rights, it does not secure a right to abortion. And Obergefell... I'm so sorry, I skipped a sentence. The court today declines to disturb substantive due process jurisprudence generally or the doctrine's application in other specific contexts. Cases like Griswold versus Connecticut, which um, that one is the right to contraception, and Obergefell versus Hodges, which is the right to same-sex marriage, are not at issue. The court's abortion cases are unique, and no party has asked us to decide whether our entire 14th Amendment jurisprudence must be preserved or revised. Thus, I agree that nothing in the court's opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. So, that segment right there would lead one to believe that even our dear Justice Thomas is saying that these other rights, you know, gay marriage and um, the right to contraception, shouldn't be affected by this. And then the very next sentence is, for that reason, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell. Because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to let that sink in for you guys. Isn't this country fantastic? Don't you just love it?
So while the language preceding, you know, the statement would lead one to believe that our rights to contraception and same-sex marriage, and I do not say marriage equality because, as I must remind everybody, marriage equality has never existed in the United States. That is because disabled people cannot marry each other. Disabled people cannot get married to anyone without losing their government benefits. If you didn't know, now you know. Um, so yeah, we never had true marriage equality. But that's that on the um, on the Obergefell. Uh, Griswold, the case specifically discusses contraception within a marriage. So I would have to look more deeply into the case itself, but I would assume that if they would deny you contraception in the context of a marriage, these patriarchs would feel just fine with denying you contraceptive in, in any case. Um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit misleading the text because in the opinion it, it does say, you know, ab- Abort, this is just about abortion rights. Don't worry. You know, stay calm, everyone. The, um, this is only taking away your reproductive freedom. This is only going to, you know, have the consequences of forced birth and unwanted children. And um, we probably won't give you any assistance to actually take care of those unwanted children, but, you know, uh, it's okay. Contraception, gay marriage, because, you know, the gays can't breed, so we're good there. It's all, those are, those are all fine. And even Thomas's opinion starts off saying, it seems like those rights should be fine based on this decision, but actually... This case now, since, from my understanding, sets the precedent that due process law has been challenged. And, oh, hey, my co-host finally decided to show up. Thanks a lot, Joy. <laughs> uh, hey, girl. And if anybody else wants to come up, please request. Hey, sorry, oh man, I'm in. Um, where are we at right now? What do we talk? I mean, I kind of catching what's the gist of it, but how how you taking it all? <laughs> it's okay. Recent? I'm. I mean, you know, I knew we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I I was kind of mentally prepared. To get a phone call is can you also hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Okay. Um so basically I went over you know just what 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 happened, the fact that Roe was overturned officially, you know, the people are panicking, the Democrats continue to virtue signal even though we can blame this largely on them because they refused to codify it into law when they had the chance. 
Mm-hmm. Then um, I read about some statistics, and since there was only like two people in the room at that time, mm-hmm. if everyone doesn't mind, um, I'm just going to read those statistics again. Yeah. Um, and Joy, my love, your mic mm-hmm. has a lot of ambient noise, so. Oh, let me, let me mute it. Go ahead. Okay, so. I did read just a few statistics about um, about about Roe and about well, what life was like before and why people use the, the slogan, we won't go back. It, there's a reason we don't want to go back. It's because it was a fucking bloody slaughter fest and really just a horrific state. Uh, so, um, on January 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down criminal abortion laws in the state of Texas, holding that the right to choose is a fundamental right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. Before Roe, it is estimated that between 200,000 and 1.2 million illegally induced abortions occurred annually in the United States. So that's that's a very, uh, between 200,000 and 1.2 million. I'm going to go with the 1.2 million. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's going to be on the higher end because when it comes to, to, to statistics, especially statistics that make the U.S. look bad in any way, um, I assume that those statistics are um, conservative, if not outright altered. So let's let's stick with the 1.2 million illegally induced abortions annually. Then as many as 5,000 to 10,000 women died per year. And I'm going to continue to... Um, correct myself and say birthing people uh, as many as 5,000 to 10,000 birthing people died per year I would say that's a very conservative estimate and as may- many others there's no number given because I assume it would be hard to quantify um, physical and psychological injury especially since a lot of those that suffered the physical and psychological injuries could not go seek care for them because they would be criminalized. Um, and then I talked about, what else did I talk about? Oh, um, we talked about trigger laws and what that means. So basically, um, 26 states have trigger laws in place that were essentially just patiently waiting for the Supreme Court to do this. And that way, they don't have to wait. Starting today, immediately, abortions will be illegal. Um, and that, that should really show you, like, how badly how badly they want this. They can't even let, and let's be real, like, a Republican majority 
a state legislature, like for like Texas, for example, they could get that shit passed in a couple days. But they didn't even want to wait that long. They wanted that shit to be instant. They wanted us to lose our rights immediately, as soon as the, as soon as they possibly could. And that's uh, that's what they did. And then I read the states that uh, have those sugar laws. Y'all can just Google that if you uh, are interested. And um, and yeah, and then we were talking about Griswold and Obergefell and um, how this decision sets a precedent for, although there's a lot of tricky and misleading language in the opinion, um, it does set a precedent for future challenges to Griswold and Obergefell and, uh, as well as a couple other cases, uh, precedent setting cases. So yeah, it's concerning. Um, and that's where we left off when you came in. So I'm kind of curious then, like, I know that Ohio, it, it's going to impact, I, I think, certain states pretty hard. And what I'm a little bit, just at the moment, if I can kind of vent, what I'm really frustrated with is, it's like, it's an unnecessary distraction. Like you said, every, things can be kind of just passed right away, you know, judgments can be made, and um, and I think there was a... There's, I do have a tweet up because I did have to push back somebody saying that Bernie could have changed things. And I'm like, uh, nah, you know, like, no, like that's not, that's not how this works because the continuing dependency on Democrats is, I don't know how many times people have to fail before they kind of realize like, it just doesn't work. This does like, this doesn't work. We're constantly being distracted by something that could easily be remedied. So it's not like it's a hard fix. It's not, it's not difficult. So that's right. kind of where I'm at where with the frustration of it. And of course we're not talking about other shit now, like, cause now we're, everyone's like, well, you know, and of course, rightfully so everyone's um, really up in arms about this. And like I told you earlier, like it's of course the decisions made on a Friday afternoon, you know, like, don't do it on a Monday when there could be an active cycle of news that whole week. So I don't know. I just, it, it all just. Oh yeah. That's, that was a great point that you made. That, that was very in, intentionally um, dropped on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> so they won't face a week of, a week of protest. Yeah. How, you know? how convenient, right? Like I'm like, yeah, it's like people, <laughs> what are they, you know, it's the weekend. I, I, that's just, yeah. So I don't know what's next. Like, I know every state is kind of different, which is weird, but, um, but some of them were depending highly on that protection. So it's really, really, we'll see how, what happens, or I don't know what pushback can be done. Or do you know by like what comes after this? Like what can happen or, cause we're here now, it's kind of too late to even call it a distraction. It just is. And you know, successfully, right? So, I mean, what's next now, like, I guess? Well, that's kind of what I want. Um, it was kind of the, the point of creating this uh, 
the space to talk about what is to be done, like what we can do as people on the revolutionary left and communists uh, to actually make a material change and materially affect people's lives instead of just virtue signaling. Not that protest isn't important. You know, direct action is, is vital. We need to make our voices heard and there needs to be throngs of people outside the Supreme Court nonstop every day. But, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I kind of well. I'm a, a discussion about that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I forgot. I'm pretty, unf- I'm pretty unfamiliar though with like, to be honest, like it's kind of new to me the process of what happens like in terms of legally. Like, like is this official? Does it? I mean, is it over? Kind of like yeah. no more. Oh wow. Okay. See that part I wasn't sure about. I could see why everyone's super pissed. Then I mean, like the discussion's pretty much over and that's it we have to I guess you're right it's like I it sounds like from my understanding that on a from a legal perspective it's kind of back to the drawing board from like the fucking 60s it's like I mean I mean who here wants to sit around and wait for anyone in government to potentially maybe do something to address this when they've had 30 fucking years of the conservatives pushing against Roe, wanting to overturn Roe. They knew this was coming, the Democrats. If they wanted to fucking stop this, they would have. But they did not. So, for me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking about even legal responses to this because, you know, I'm sure the ACLU will have already challenged this in court. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of appeal. Well, actually, can they even appeal this? Or was this like, no. I'm not sure. I don't think can be appealed. It's the highest court. Yeah, it's it's like kind of done for. Um, There, I assume that legally the more the, um, the more, whoops, the more, um, I'm so sorry, uh, this, uh, the route that would be taken would be the state-by-state route now, because now that it's not a constitutionally guaranteed right, so for example, California has said, like, we'll be the state, we'll take all, we'll you abortion refugees like anybody that needs an abortion come to california will take you right so there are certain states that where people are are safe birthing people are safe their the rights will not be affected at all um but like i said there are those 26 states where there are trigger bans placed in place and that goes into effect immediately so it's already in effect now like if i got pregnant tonight <laughs> sorry uh like i would not be able to get an abortion by <laughs> sorry i like, know why or if i was okay. already pregnant like i would not be able to get an abortion tomorrow right or if i found out rather Ooh, why did i use myself as an example 
Anyway, that's the point. I'm um, in California, yeah, so, so I'm kind of like in the haven state, but but exactly. I feel really, really bad for those in like, like I was telling, I think I heard, I'm pretty sure it's Ohio that has um, like zero, this was it, they were really counting on Roe versus Wade, all these, uh, you know, anybody who wanted, and then that's another thing, it's been really um, a misogynistic point of view from the media like oh you know it's teenage pregnancy so it's like no it's for this service is for everybody across the board and um and it's not this immoral thing and i don't know and it's just like another you know the common joke like well a republican's mistress is going to be able to get one you know it's like it's kind of true you know not even kind of it really is true sorry i speak modestly a lot i shouldn't do that but um but yeah it's just i i'm grateful to be in California but even I should probably let you in the room know that even California kind of has its obstacles a little bit I mean I'm grateful that they're not you know it's possible you know I could still go and I could still you know under I think under 10 weeks can still take the abortion pill you know and but I will say that a lot of the medical systems here are not very supportive of providing that to you I had that experience one time um, and I was shipped to like, told to like go to Planned Parenthood. Like, we don't do that here. And I'm like, you're supposed to do it here. And so it was very frustrating because really, I'm like, yeah, I'm pushing against the clock. It's like, I, I really need this like right away. And it's something that they, it's a service they could offer, but there's still this ethical stigma. I don't know why, like, it's not there. Um, I, I'm going to tell you a story and it'll probably really infuriate you, but so when I went to go ask for the referral to Planned Parenthood, because they wouldn't give it to me. Well, actually, first I went to go ask for it there. And then um, the doctor proceeded to tell me they, you know, we refer out to Planned Parenthood. I'm like, okay, then give me the fucking referral. And then um, she proceeds to go ahead and hand me adoption papers, like pamphlets. And I just kind of. No, no, I'm ending the room. It's done. We're, we're done. <laughs> Please tell oh. me that's a joke. Please. What joke? The handed you adoption papers. Yeah. Oh yeah. A yeah. doctor? Like it like this wasn't uh-huh. like, oh. yep. it wasn't she one was of like... those like pretend like where we're gonna pretend to be an abortion clinic, but really we're a Christian pregnancy center. <laughs> She's like, Yeah, I um what did she say? She was like, Please you know, if you wanna reconsider, I'm like, Wow. I mean I could probably have complained, but I obviously I was in a different. Sorry, I'm noise. Um, I was in a different, you know, headspace. I'm sure. Like, but looking back now, um, and you know, I wasn't young or anything. I was definitely much older. So, just that that fact alone, it's just very inconsiderate. It's I don't know, and I don't like pushing. You know, you know me. I'm not a religious person. I don't like it being pushed. So, it really sucked. That's absolutely outrageous. And first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you. That happened to you. Yeah, and Obscene. yeah, and it's like I, I, I found it. Oh, sorry, I found it really unfortunate. Like because it it's just not necessary. And again, it wasn't even necessary to refer me out, let alone give me adoption papers. I'm like, no, I'm good. And. That's kind of, I mean, like I said, we still have the option to go, but 
uh, people are still going to be traditional and hold on to that, you know, like that ethical stigma of abortion. And I don't, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of, of separating and getting divorced from that person. So it's like, they really wanted me in that situation, like where I had a a very young kid. I'm like, God, like you guys are fucked up. Like, seriously, like you guys want to totally run my life like that. Like it's, it was very frustrating though. Um, I don't know right now though. You said in Texas, how's, like you said, if that happened, there's zero services for you guys or very minimal, or do you have to travel? You're in a very progressive, you're not in a very progressive state. You know what I mean? So it's kind of not at all. No, no, no. And so, I mean, I don't even know compared to other states what it's like. So, um, but any word on how, I mean, I guess, my curiosity is just, I, I'm honestly curious who this really, really true. I know it impacts everybody, but I know there are people who are, who are really going to suffer and like have to, I mean, why do you have to go to another state for a haven? Let's re, I mean, just even saying that part out loud is really, really unfortunate. Yes. And it's very Gilead sounding. And although I hate to, uh, use that as a reference because there's all sorts of issues with the handmade so um it's pretty scary how accurate it was uh but your story really illustrates how serious of a problem medical misogyny is um (laughs) the fact that a person that knows that they want an abortion, not questioning, they know they want an abortion, can go to an abortion-providing doctor, which is an OBGYN, and be handed adoption papers in that medical setting is, it's obscene. You know, young women are regularly denied our bodily autonomy. Um, Young people with uteruses are regularly denied our bodily autonomy. Uh, hi, Isaac! And hey to everybody else, uh, you in the room. So glad to have you. Um, I actually asked my doctor about getting a hysterectomy because I have very severe PCOS. Um... My periods are extremely painful and just, like, literally cut two weeks out of every month I have. And I I was denied because I am a young, unmarried woman. And, you know, I'm not going to stay young forever, but I'm going to stay unmarried forever. That's a fact. So... <laughs> I don't know why you would even use that. Like, <laughs> sorry, babe. But but there's no there's sense. a but don't you hate you? I think there's a the the thing I hate, and I I think I've told you in other conversations. There are certain things that have held me back, like in life, and one of them is just the assumption that I want to be in this tradition that was kind of based on religion, and and then of course capitalism comes in and then you know being married has perks and you know it's like 
I don't want anyone to assume that I I believe in the nuclear family. Like I do in a in a different way, not in like married mom and dad and child. It's like it's like there's so much variation to that, and to assume otherwise, I think, is pretty egregious by anyone. Like politically, medically, it's just it really, really is fucked up. And and it's odd that it's 2022 and we're like talking about this, you know and Uh, you know it's it's just it's been quite unfortunate and my again you know me like I'm like great like they they managed to just successfully have everything diverted away from what's you know there are other you know I understand this is an important social issue but there are a lot of actual physical like health needs of people right now like that we're not addressing as long as we're you know we're mad about something else and you know this is something to be mad about so it's not like it's not legitimate to be mad about it but yeah I'm just I'm not happy with that and of course don't ever tell me Bernie Sanders could have saved this because that's bullshit (laughs) like don't fucking say that guys like if I see that look Bernie never had the political will to do anything truly radical let's be real about that yeah Um, absolutely it is true that the Democrats could have done something collectively, but they would never do that because then how can they fear monger and uh, get money from you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to fucking see RBG posts ever again. Don't fucking. She's not Literally. a hero. Fucker, she's not a hero. Don't fucking canonize <laughs> her. I'm like, no. Please. Like, <laughs> Like, no, we're in this clusterfuck because you guys wanted to weaponize this, and you did. Good job. Like, you weaponized this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I've been hearing. E- <laughs> Listen, yeah. if I if I, if I I see another, like, notorious RBG fucking saint candle <laughs> in my life, like... <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to break them all in the store and run. Just like... <laughs> yeah. Girl, like, girl, you fucked us over. But the <laughs> yeah, medical misogyny that you experience, it's its so commonplace. And yeah. it's not like the example of how the medical industrial complex itself has such a hold on... And such a say over our yeah. bodily autonomy. Like the fact that I could be denied a hysterectomy when I know for a fact that I do not, I will not, I will not never ever watch it. Well, you might change your mind. No, <laughs> I am not going to change my mind because I know that as a chronically ill person, who has a disease that has no cure, I will have this disease for the rest of my life. And even if, potentially, for some wild reason, I decided that I wanted to have a child, I would not be able to have a child because of my physical condition. It just... Well, from my understanding, it's it's detrimental to your health, right? Like, it wouldn't be something that you could, like, you you wouldn't want to put yourself through that, you know? It's, like, bad enough that you have two weeks of the month, you know, just to yourself. It's, like, you know, so 
I just, um, I, I, I don't know, know if I, I would survive that shit, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. I mean, it's it's honestly, when you're medically complex, it's, it's hard to say because pregnancy can be so unpredictable on the body as it is in so many ways. And add in a chronic illness and a disability to that and it, you know, the potential for all kinds of things going wrong just shoots straight up. But also, I just, if I were to bring a child into this world, for me at least, I would need to be able to give 110% of myself to making sure that grew up to be a loved and a revolutionary human being. And I know that physically I'm not able to do that. So I'm not going to have a child, even if Um, I really wanted to. Yeah, and to kind of count, you know, not counter it, but to agree but with the other side of the argument is that I am able-bodied but I also can tell you right now that even without any of the stresses of disability the stress of raising said baby has been like really really hard and I you're you know you're aware of my daughter's story and um and even you know even getting to the point where I could raise somebody who's you know, enlightened and understands only because, I mean, that was a lot of work on my part and her dad's part too, to be fair. Like we're, you know, we worked hard at communicating. I mean, this is not, it's not just have a big family and a baby for fun. It's like, no. And then I don't want to do that again. And I am very convinced I don't want to do that again. For somebody to say, you might change your mind. It's pretty damn insulting. I'm like, no, I'm like, I, I'm getting through this one. And then, um, statistically speaking like my daughter has support but if she didn't have support my daughter is a transgender and for the room who don't know like if she didn't have our our full like 110 200 percent support I believe she would statistically be very depressed and probably on the brink of suicide and so you know this is a lot to worry about and then to ask you or tell you that you might change your mind about that vibe like it's just like, no, you're, you're not going to change your mind about the stresses that kind of come in addition to physically and and everything else that comes on, you know, comes with it. There's a lot of in the package. And it's just really unfortunate that certain people now in the country will have to deal with this non-decision. This decision was made for them. So and like you said, it will might just have to be induced at this point. Um, self-induced you know I don't know it's not a good situation oh we're gonna talk about that for sure go for it yeah it's not it's it's scary like and like I told you I was lucky oh and by the way my I had I finally got help on the ninth week so it was really pushing it and that close that's really people forget is that there are term limits on abortions you cannot go and get an abortion when you're nine months fucking pregnant. As much as the conservatives would like to lie to you and tell you that they're murdering babies that are this close to life, that is not 
actually true. It's not a fact. But, you know, Jory, you asked the question, like, who's going to be most affected by this? And just in conversing, we have identified two groups of people that would be highly affected uh, by this decision. And that's uh, disabled people and queer people. And yep, absolutely. And and add all racialized people, um, undocumented folks. It, I mean, that's a whole that's a whole ordeal within itself. Uh, it could put literally put you in danger of deportation to seek care reproductive health care. I mean, that is horrific. And, um... Well, what's kind of also concerning is we're not going to really know if things are being... Well, maybe, I don't know, like, depending if somebody gets care after trying to self-induce it. Like, we're just creating a dangerous situation, it sounds like. And I don't know, statistically, forever... Like, like you said, I would err on the side of it being higher than lower eventually, but... Yeah. It's not good. Like, it's not good. I mean, that's pretty fucking scary. And this is where I do believe any any sort of uh, age group, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's a scary situation. No matter no matter where you intersect or at what age, it's um, a decision being made for you is, is really fucking scary. So I don't know what's going to happen. Medi- like, there's, there's going to be certain states, I think, that are going to see an uptick in these numbers like it's I don't I can't even imagine like yeah so. well earlier when I was talking about when I was uh I was reading about some statistics sharing with the room um, I just want to go back to one of those and that's the maternal mortality rate which is USA USA number one number one except very much not um maternal mortality rates in the greatest country on earth (laughs) are absolutely horrifying um i mean don't we we hear about the statistics of uh of minorities right like and it's just not going to get better like if we were trying to improve those statistics this is the wrong direction. So, um, oh, oh yeah. well, they weren't. They weren't. Don't worry. They were not. They weren't trying to to improve those statistics at all. But um, the, the so the statistics are uh, eight hundred and sixty one deaths per one hundred thousand live births, and in percentages, um. Non-white birthing people are three times more likely to die during childbirth. Oh, and that was another thing that I was was going through when we were kind of giving the introduction is that um, that the process of 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 pregnancy bringing a child into the world it's not just 
oh, you pop a kid out and that's that's the end of it. No. It's there is severe physical and psychological trauma that can occur from from a pregnancy. There are, are untold, you know, numbers of medical issues that could arise during a pregnancy. Now, multiply that for, you know, like we said, chronically ill folks, and the number goes way up, then that's for nine months, nine months of hell that the body is put through, and the body is really pushed to its capacity. Drink. Sorry, had to. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Drink. Got it. Um, but then there's the actual process of giving birth, right? In w- which also itself can be an extremely traumatic physically and, and psychologically experience, especially like when you start adding certain cer- situations and circumstances and, and uh, factors in that, re- that increases significantly. Uh, if you if you don't have a partner that supports you, if you, I mean, there are so many, so many um, permutations of how this decision can affect people negatively, um, and then there's we don't ca- talk about this a lot, but the cost of giving birth, the actual monetary cost, not the physical or emotional one but the monetary cost does anybody know how much it costs to um to get to give birth to a child in this country well that's um i think we're considering whether or not there are complications you know just a baseline like i think yeah there was there was i think when they discussed this with I think if you remember, there was a short video from, uh, it, it was a British video because they have the NHS. I think yeah. they were going around talking to people like, how much do you think it costs to have, you know, oh, and of course, yeah. yeah, and it depends if you have a C-section or a general birth and it's not complicated. I can tell you my, my child was premature and um, 33 weeks and that was 200 grand altogether. Okay. So, <laughs> and oh, I had insurance, but... I'm pretty, pretty fucked if I didn't. So 200 grand with insurance. Yep. Yeah. This law does is make that man. I mean, or what this, this overturning of this law does is make that mandatory. Think about that. Yeah. That is so fucking twisted. <clears throat> like you said, you know, the baseline is about $10,000 for the hospital stay and care. And that is cons- like assuming that your pregnancy is does not is not complex, that you're you carrying one ch- one child and not multiples um based on other medical conditions or issues you might have and like joy said the costs go up 
and up and up. The longer you have to stay in the hospital, the more issues that occur. If you're able to have, you know, um, I'm not sure how to refer to it, but if you're able to deliver without needing a C-section, I mean, it the costs just go up and up and up. And we're going to be forcing often women that terminate their pregnancy, I'm sorry, birthing people that terminate their pregnancies do so because of financial and economic reasons. The number one patient that you will find getting an abortion is one that already has one or more children. So this is a person that is already raising one or more young people. And you'll be forcing that person to pay 200 if they have insurance, right? Like without insurance, I can imagine that that hospital bill looks something like over a million dollars. Well, yeah, and they're going to probably like, <laughs> I'm sure they probably could care less about, you know, that being a factor in, um, you know, they couldn't, they could really care less about financial costs and even kind of like you said like kind of the aftermath of it all and who's you know if you're you have disabled people that have to deal with you know i know that there's a lot of contraceptive care in disability like well depending on your state of course there should be but you know and then how's that going to affect that community you know so it's yes if if this um they do start to challenge because I, I earlier in the beginning I did read uh, segments of the actual opinion, and um, if they do start to attack all the due process laws, and Griswold is challenged, and contraception becomes you know illegal. <laughs> or the right to access it becomes illegal, that affects hundreds of thousands of people that take contraceptives for medical reasons. And yep. I mean, not that, I mean, not that we should e- even distinguish, right? Because pregnancy is a medical issue. <laughs> it's a, it's a very fucking medical issue. <laughs> but, um, you know there are so many there are so many other illnesses that uh, involve using birth control to treat them. So, I mean, the possibilities for harm feel truly endless. Honestly, I know that one of the the remedies or not remedies, but you know, to help ease the side effects of PCOS is birth control. So, I mean, is it going to be like? a medical exception like that's just kind of that's unfortunate it's like it should just it shouldn't have to be like that it's like now we're depending on a diagnosis on whether or not we're going to help you and and of course the true intention of the actual contraceptive isn't really being you know or its initial intention I would say isn't really being applied so it's very unfortunate and I just want to highlight how really severe medical misogyny is and 
how harmful the medical industrial complex is. Y'all, if y'all know me, you know I like to bring disability justice into just about every conversation I have. And since we are talking about healthcare, because abortion is healthcare. Abortion is healthcare. Abortion is healthcare for the people in the back. Um, <laughs> there are so many ways in which medical misogyny and racism still rear their ugly heads. Um, this is evident in Joy's story and in where she was, she just told us that she was sent off to Planned Parenthood after being given a pamphlet on adoption uh, when seeking an abortion. Where me, when seeking a hysterectomy, denied because I'm young and unmarried, even though knowing that I will never, ever give birth, I will not have a child, I still denied. <clears throat> There's also... But you might change your mind. <laughs> yeah, if they... uh, Yeah, no, I'm not going to change my mind. If I do, there are plenty of children languishing in fucking foster care. And CPS is a whole... Oh, we can get into that, too. Oh, we can get into a lot of stuff. I'm going to need some of y'all to come up as speakers and, and, and have a conversation with us. But, um... We, we can get into that, but did y'all know that sexual assault is legal if it's a doctor? Yeah. It is legal for doctors to perform vaginal exams on anesthetized patients without their knowledge or consent. Did you guys know that? When I go in for surgery, I always bring with me a piece of paper that says I do not consent to any kinds of <clears throat> uh, vaginal exams while anesthetized and the reasoning behind it is that uh, they bring students and residents in who are still learning to I guess fuck around with somebody that's knocked out. I the the reasoning never really made sense to me either, to be quite honest with you. Like what the actual fuck? There are definitely people that you could pay to do that consensually, but no. Yeah, it's legal to um to do that. So there's that. Then we have it's extremely uh, medical misogyny and racism extremely evident, like I said, in the maternal mortality rates and the statistics for that, as well as if you look at pain treatment, um, you can still find textbooks, me medical textbooks, being used in medical schools that literally, and I'm going to give a trigger warning here because this is some grow some fucked up shit. You have textbooks that literally still teach students that black people feel less pain than other races. 
And this came from the belief during the time of shadow slavery that enslaved Africans' thin, I mean skin, I apologize, was thicker, and therefore that black people can endure more pain. So, in modern times, they're less likely to receive adequate pain treatment. So, and the same goes for women who are often dismissed and considered hysterical um, or to be exaggerating their pain. And one of the situations in which you know, birthing people, people with uteruses are most often told that we're exaggerating our pain is when it comes to um, uterine pain, vaginal pain, uh, you know, pain that results from issues like PCOS, PMDD, you know, issues with menstruation, you know, endometriosis uh you can read all kinds of horror stories a, a woman went to the doctor with abdominal pain they told they told her it was on her head and sent her home two weeks later she found out she had an ectopic pregnancy like it's millions of stories like that out there and i mean we clearly have an already overburdened, inaccessible, and problematic in many ways medical system. I feel like this kind of does shut down a certain sector of that too. So if it was uh, limited before, it's pretty shut now. Yeah. It's like this is, this is really the last thing that the medical industrial complex needed like it's just gonna throw a huge you know bottle of gasoline onto those flames uh and it's pretty terrifying to think about honestly uh yeah but does anybody want to come up I'm curious if anyone else, you know, from, a, you know, any other states and how it's impacting. I mean, that's, that's what I'm kind of, that's my first thought, really. Yeah, I, re- I really want to hear, um, I would love to hear from some people, like, your opinions or um, if you want to talk about what's going on in your state uh, before we get into the discussion about alternatives and what we should be doing in this moment to organize. Anyone? Anyone? Who are the two people in here that I can't see? Why can I not see them? <laughs> I can't see them either. What the hell? I don't like that. Come on up and speak, y'all. Show yourselves. Say something in the chat. 
All right. Okay. I'm not going to bully you into talking if you don't want to. My throat is getting sore. Let me take a drink of water real quick. Oh, Joy. I opened the show by um, playing a song by the group Diggable Planets. It's called La Femme Fito. It is a song about abortion rights. I posted the lyrics to it in an article. Um, okay. The beginning of the chat, if anybody wants to take a look at that real quick. Yeah, I'll check that while out. While I grab a drink of water. Okay. Give me just 15 seconds. All right. And we're back. Oh, you just want to draw attention to Dan posted a tweet in the chat, which has a very useful map um, that uh, that shows you which states are trigger states, or rather, which states have the trigger laws in place. Um. So I, I had read them off before, uh, but y'all can take a look at that that tweet. Uh, and thank you, Dan, for sharing. Um, so now that we've kind of talked about, Sorry, I have a partner who's very distracting. He likes to sit next to me and just cackle while I'm trying. Hi, Mike. <laughs> trying to do a show here. Come on. Come up and You better get Mike. your butt up here and talk. Yeah. You're so quiet. <laughs> call in. Come on. I need a caller. I need one caller. I'm not going to pressure anybody, though. Uh, but now that we've, like... Ah, Dan! Dan is the man! Dan, what's up, my friend? It's good to see hey, you. Hey. Good to see you, too. Good to hear you. I haven't been going into the Russia spaces much lately. Me um, neither. Me neither. But uh, I missed y'all. Hey, so if you just want someone to talk, the thing that was startling to me about that map, and I think <clears throat> it should be highlighted, it's much easier to do visually. So um, if you you can if you can somehow, I don't think you can copy paste links on here, but 
if you find it, you can just Google states with trigger laws and uh, tap on images. It'll pop up. But um, so what's really concerning is this cluster of states, because we were early in the program, I think, um, Joy, before you were in the room, um, Violet was mentioning that some people will be able to drive into other states and get help. But if you look at the map, um, so Texas, for instance, is most of the population of Texas, okay, literally more than half because of the large cities, are bordering Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, all of which have trigger laws that all are going into place. They also border Tennessee, Missouri, and Mississippi, all of which have trigger laws going into place. And you'll see the ones in tan, and actually one of them, Alabama, uh, the governor just now suspended um, the laws, uh, suspended all abortions. So from Texas, clear up into North Carolina, the whole, I think what people would call the Bible Belt, but for the most part, just the entire South and some of the Midwest, with the exception of Florida, are, it's all going to be outlawed in all those states. So um, 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 birthing people are, are not going to have, you know, once those go into effect, birthing people are not going to have, um, you know, it's already not easy access to drive into another state. That's very restrictive and difficult. But they're not even going to have that option. If they want to go out of state, they got to get on an airplane, you know. Um I don't have much to say on this next thing, but just to throw it out there, um, if at some point we're going to talk about, you know, action, you know, mass action and, and such things, um, yes, it does definitely. seem kind of presents itself that there is a huge part of the country where those actions should be really focused. Because if we're going to be going after this state by state, um, which is what it sounds like is going to happen, um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. People will go down to D.C. for protests. They'll fly out to New York City. And uh, those of us that can do that kind of thing are going to have to go down there. But um, anyway, yeah, that's awful, I think. Um, and, of course, that is also uh, where the majority of the black population of the U.S. resides. Um, as it was said earlier, that uh, marginalized and especially um, black people uh, are going to be affected most by this. Um, and yeah, that's basically all I had to say. No, that's an absolutely great point. And it's, <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing the map and, you know, bring that point up. Um, you're right. Like, it, the more that we talk about it and I think about it, the more issues or potential barriers I am reminded of, you know, let's say you even could make the road trip to a state that would provide you with an abortion. And this is after going through the entire process, of course, of, you know, finding a group that can help you with that. And we'll talk about that later. Um, because, as the revolutionary left, it's important for us to come up with actual material solutions, not far off in the future, one day, 
you know, maybe we can get the Democrats to help us. No, it's we need to be able to go to people that are pregnant right now and say, I can help you and I can help you. If you're pregnant right now, I can help you. I can and and we'll get to that. Um it, and that's gonna be the how we close out the show by talking about that that subject. But um yeah, let's see if you you could make that road trip. Um what's to say that you know you're not crossing through a state that's decided to criminalize the act of seeking an abortion in another state, right? Because that's now something that's on the table as well. Criminal, criminal, not just criminalizing abortion, but criminalizing the act of seeking abortion in a state where it's legal. So a resident of Texas who might be going to California to get an abortion could be criminalized for that. And well, you know that they use the the state and federal loopholes like to get you and it's like you you know, I can see it coming where they can kind of pick and choose when they want to do that. So um yeah, no, it's not a good situation and and Dan, I have to look at that map. I'm on the road right now, but I'm actually on my way home and I will see it and I believe <laughs> I believe it. So it's um really really not just not a good situation. I'm just inviting everyone up. If you would like to speak, pop on up. Join us. Hi, up. Thanks for joining us. Um, basically, we've been talking about, because uh, there's a couple of new faces in the room, I'll just give a real quick rundown. We, um, we looked at the text of the opinion. <clears throat> we talked about um, what life was like before Roe and what that looked like. Um, the horrors of that. Uh, we we talked about statistics about which groups, the most marginalized groups that are usually affected the most by you know laws and and changes to laws like this. Um, we talked about trigger laws, and Dan posted a very helpful map in the comments and I believe it, it did come through as a link Dan so it, it worked for me so thank you for that I appreciate it uh, the map that shows which states have the trigger laws and um, and, and yeah uh, someone had posed the question you know what groups are going to be most affected by this and you know it's it's birthing people and birthing people that are queer disabled um undocumented racialized people people that live in poverty these are the people the proletariat is the the people that are going to be most affected by this as usual as as the united states you know tends to do um you know, rich, rich white women will be able to 
fly to whatever space they need. If, if they're in the middle of this block that Dan pointed out of states that uh, have these bans in place, well, they'll be able to easily fly out to New York or Cali. But some of us can't afford to fill up our gas tanks to get to work, right? Like, let alone a, a fucking plane ticket or enough gas to get to, to uh, California. But, um, yeah, so, so we've talked about that. And ultimately, the subject that I, I want to get to is how do we help people now? And I have ideas, and I have orgs, and I have all kinds of information that I would love to share. But first, I would love to hear from Zainab. Uh, So, go ahead. How's it going? Hope you're having a good day, as good as possible with this bad news. Uh, Michael or Zainab, if either of you wants to chime in. Hi, everyone. Having an issue with uh, being a can you guys hear me? Can you hear you? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's having an issue with my mic. I'm in Kentucky, so today is like super surreal because I had the trigger loss just waiting. Um, but you know, I keep thinking about two big things. I was thinking about, you know, how when I became pregnant, I considered alternatives and I couldn't afford it. You know, it was eighteen hundred dollars. Um and even even then with the it was like access like they always say access to healthcare right access to this access to that access doesn't mean shit when you're poor um cuz access you still have to pay for it um but i also think about women that or people in general that are raped or you know i think about sexual assault i think about you know domestic violence situations i used to be an advocate and i heard so many stories from people where um their partner would mess with their birth control to get them pregnant to lock them into that situation right um, and I'm just thinking about how much harder that makes and how we've also cut back on funding for jobs. We've cut back on funding for people to be able to get out of situations like that. And so I think it's a compilation of a lot of things. There were also four other rulings that the uh, the Supreme Court made just in the last two weeks that rolls back our rights drastically. This is the one that stuck in the news and everything, because Democrats can, you know, use it to try to get reelected or whatever and fundraise off of it. But there have been there have been quite a few of them and it's a scary situation. But I think just like you guys said, it's the poor people that are impacted the most. And now it's time and it has been time for us to lean in even more in our communities to help each other, to get those to get domestic violence shelters set up, to get, you know, um, to push for our localities to have um, healthcare centers for ways that people can lean on each other in tough situations. You kind of got me thinking of a parallel right now. Like I just, it crossed my mind that we have a baby formula shortage and now we're making, you know, we'll we'll follow through with having the baby that we're not going to help you feed by the way so exactly you know snap snap programs are hard oh my god and don't forget that clarence thomas wants to oh go ahead i'm sorry 
I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, don't forget that Clarence Thomas also has a something to say about reproductive medicine and uh, contraceptives as well. Yeah, that was what I had pointed out uh, earlier uh, in his portion of the opinion. We were going through the text of the opinion, and um, in his portion, he he uh, specifically did signal out Griswold the ruling that um, that uh, uh sorry brain fart that that uh makes contraception in a marriage a, a legal right but no those are all great points and um on the what uh Zainab was saying about you know rape victims and people in domestic violence situations where their partner messes with you know I that is just so the stealthing thing like <laughs> Gosh, oof. Yeah, I think about this problem a lot. Um, because for me, I I have this instinctual, you know, as a, an abuse and, and, and rape survivor, I have this instinctual kind of reaction to when I hear people say stuff like, uh, but what? But what about you know people that get raped? Like not even then, and I I hate it when it's used as kind of like um like the it's the only situation in which we can imagine an abortion is even acceptable. You know, I, I'm absolutely not saying that's what you do, um, but that's kind of like how I usually. Ten that that's what the conversation around rape and domestic violence and abortion tends to usually be about. So I'm so glad that you actually brought up, you know, this other very serious issue of like stealthing, you know, getting your partner pregnant purposely, uh, without their consent or knowledge, uh, seriously, seriously problematic. And I just, yeah, as, as a survivor, I had written an essay at some point and it was entitled something like the abortion I never had that saved my life. Um, and I say that the abortion I never had saved my life because if I had been forced to keep that pregnancy I, I was I had already thought it out first of all I was a child um, you know uh, and I was unable to ask my parents for help in the situation I went to Planned Parenthood I, I had a whole pl- I had a plan I was planning my parenthood and my plan was that if I was pregnant and for some reason could not get an abortion, I was going to end my life. I, that was the plan. And it, abortion saves lives. Abortion saves lives. 
abortion saves lives. Oh, Charlie. That's a really good point, Violet, about how people use that. It's an inalienable right. It's a constitutional right. We don't have to have excuses for the reasons that we choose to do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That happens with so many different, like, um, like so many different issues too. It's like, oh well, what about in this case? Well, oh well, what if it's a child that was raped? And no, abortion on demand without apology is that's that's what we're about. Abortion on fucking demand without apology, and. Uh, yeah, it, we, we've spent, I think, personally, way too much time as people that are feminists or those on the left um, kind of justifying why reproductive health care is necessary. And I'm done with that. I'm done justifying to anybody, anybody that thinks they have some kind of say over mine or anybody else's body. Uh, I'm not justifying shit to you. I don't need to. And, and neither does anybody else. Neither do, do, do the women that I used to uh, escort outside clinics that had all kinds of horrific shit yelled at them about their choice to live their fucking lives and do maintain their bodily autonomy. Um, but let me stop ranting and, and try We have a caller, Charlie. Hi, how are you? Hello, Violet. Can you hear me? Yep. We can hear you. Hi, I've been just bouncing around calling today. I've never been on this channel, so I'm just, uh, trying to get some stuff off my chest. I'm, I've been going to rooms that I've, I guess I don't agree with a lot of the stuff I'm hearing, but I think that's a good thing. Um, I guess I'd consider myself uh, kind of politically homeless, but um, I don't know. I think that a lot of the left has kind of done a poor job of convincing people of their position. And I'm, I'm definitely against this Supreme Court decision, but I think that I've seen a lot of rhetoric around abortion from the left that kind of, I don't know, it's kind of putting it in people's face in a way that's kind of gross and off-putting to a lot of people. And I, I don't think that's really helpful for the cause. And, uh, yeah. Do you have an example? I was going to say, do you have an example? Yeah, a lot of the uh, protesters, they're doing weird stuff with, like, baby dolls and, like, they're painting their red all over their pants and they're kind of... Um, you know, well, I'm going to get an abortion tomorrow or I'm going to do this. And it's, I, I, I think it's kind of grossing a lot of people out and I don't think it's working. Well, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of, um, action taken by the, the right on this, on this issue that has actually really grossed me out too. Last time I went to Planned Parenthood for uh, a cervical cancer screening, I was stopped because uh, I live in Texas, unfortunately. Uh, I was stopped outside the clinic by a group of 
protesters and they were holding signs that were covered in images of gore and blood and murdered babies, which is not what happens at Planned If there are no murdered babies, it's it's not it, it, it's fake. It's fake news, you know. Um, and I was I was disgusted by that. I was grossed out by that. Um, and frankly, more grossed out by protests outside of clinics where right wingers have literally thrown liquid substances un of unknown origin onto myself and those I've escorted, hurling unbelievable verbal abuse. And I have no doubt that if they could get away with physical abuse, they would too. It shows you, shows you how much they really care about, you know, our bodies and lives. But um, firebombings of abortion clinics, murders of doctors that provide reproductive health care, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but not really, that the right and their method of protest to me on this subject has been far more disgusting than any left-wing protest could be. Literally assault, like verbally assaulting women and birthing people that are in already in, already in a state of um, a heightened emotional state and talking about side of clinics like uh, the what what's probably the worst day of their lives just yeah i i agree with all that i, I um, i'm from colorado we had a shooting at an abortion clinic in colorado springs uh maybe a couple decades ago and that that was really bad and yeah the the those mobs that harass girls trying to get abortions at planned parenthood that's despicable too i i'm in full agreement with what you're saying i and yeah, on 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 uh, balance, yeah, maybe the right has over the years been worse. But I think emulating that, like you brought up firebombing. Well, we've like literally had like ten firebombs in the past couple of weeks with whoever the hell this James Revenge is. I don't know who they are, but I, I'm just saying, it, maybe emulating those those despicable tactics isn't winning anyone over. Um, but. So that, that's all I got to say. I'll hang up and uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Hang on one second, though. I'm okay. Just curious. You said that you consider yourself politically homeless, but would you consider yourself more of a conservative on this topic? Um, you know, on this topic, I think that on both both sides, the problem with it is that neither side's willing to admit that the other side actually has good arguments because I think that um, I think the left pretends like the right has no no argument when they say that life begins at a certain point whether or not you say oh it's 50 weeks or whatever you can say based on premature babies well you know what it, it, be, it begins when it begins and who's to say when it's a, a human and then on the left, yeah, I, 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 I'm sympathetic to both sides is, is kind of what I'm saying. And, and it, 
it's it's a hard it's a really hard problem and i think being too ideological either way it doesn't help with it i see i see um i will say this being uh being uh, be apathetic about it and and kind of saying, well, I'm only going to do the kind of protest or uh, dissenting or uh, resistance that the other side is comfortable with is pretty much a recipe for failure. Uh, I get that I've seen some provocative protests on the left wing, but frankly, when it's at the point that Literally hundreds of thousands of brother people's lives have now been put in grave danger. I am not going to be tone policed by anybody anymore. I, I, I will be as, as tasteless and as loud and in your, and I don't mean you here. I'm talking about the general right. you. Uh, and in your face and rude and disgusting as I fucking want to be because I'm under attack. And I think that's what the right doesn't actually seem to get. They're, they're so concerned with these arguments about, you know, when, when, well, when, when does life be truly begin? You're not thinking about the people that are already fucking alive that are suffering because of this kind of legislation. The people that the children, the unwanted children that have been forced birth that are what is what is George Carlin abusive South households right now. Well, what, what is they what is what does George Carlin say, Vi? Like, is it prenatal? You're good? Like, with conservatives? <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> right. and I forgot what the other part was, but then if you're after you're born, it's like, you're pretty, you're pretty screwed. So, and it's yeah. true. Um, I did, if you don't mind, Vi, I wanted to respond to Charlie a little Go bit on the, on the conservative uh, talking points about when life begins and stuff. I'm a little, what's concerning to me is why we even kind of have this, discussion about individual people's bodies and their choices so it's an odd discussion I think at on its face I think since everyone's so past it and we're talking about certain things it's like no 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 like at, in the in the beginning of this whole thing it's like you have to kind of wonder why why like you're you're not going like Charlie let's say like you're you're a taxpayer and I wanted an abortion at whatever point in my life like the f- the fact that it concerns anybody, like you're not going to take, you're not paying for that child. You're not going to help me. You don't see me at night. You know, we don't live together. It's just like, I don't, to me, it's just very baffling that anyone cares about that kind of decision, you know? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm fully pro-choice um, for, to the extent that it makes sense for, um, for anybody. So, I, I, yeah, I believe that it should be uh, a, a choice that a woman makes for herself. So that's just, that's my opinion. I agree with you on that. But um, 
I don't know, as far as the debate goes on whether when, when life begins, I think that's kind of the crux of it. I think that's kind of an important question. Um, but I guess my, my thing is why does that matter to anybody for me? You know what I mean? Like, just the, to me, the, so what I, oh, sorry, hold on. Was she cutting off for anyone else or just me? Okay. Yeah, she cut out a little I, bit. I turned uh-huh. on my Wi-Fi. Hopefully it picked up. Are we good? Yeah, you're good now. You're good now. Okay, so I just think that um, the inception of that argument on his face, it's pretty invalid. Like, And the reason why I say that is because um, you care about your... Not you, but like conservatives care about a life that they truly don't care about. So to me, it's simply a talking point. Like, you can throw in all the science and like, oh, you know, like one person says this, one person says that. But I think um, when everything's said and done, um, if I were to go through with, you know, the pregnancy that I had a long time ago, um, no one's going to help me with that. You want me to keep it so badly, but it's like no one's going. It, it, it's none of your business once the baby, not you, but, you know, I'm saying rhetorically, like, it's, I you know. Yeah, you can yeah. use me as devil's advocate. That's okay. <laughs> Like it's none of it would be none of your business. Like, you know what? How when I got pregnant, what happens with that pregnancy, and what happens after? Like, the fact that an argument was made in general and then it took off from there, to me, it was just it from the beginning. It, in in its inception, it's a bad faith argument. It's a it's one rooted in religion, because you know they love numbers, um, they love control, they truly are, you know, aligned with the state. Even though, you know, we have this false. Like, you know, like separation of state and church, it's not really separate. They're very much involved with uh, the political landscape. And so I just think this, my, my, my rebuttal to that, when does life begin argument is that it's not really an argument to be had because again, it does, you weren't, it's none of your business when I got pregnant, how I got pregnant during the pregnancy and after, if I stuck with it, like, you know, so it's just, to me, it's always been a very strange argument on its face but you know people are going to continue to entertain it i think and use it as the other side of the argument you know use it as well they're um uh what is it what do they call it what does savvy call it anti-choice <laughs> like they're the anti-choice yes. people are going to use it you know use it to the to the fullest and it's an argument and i like i guess what i'm trying to say is i think they threw up uh, something that would touch a nerve. Oh, when does life begin? And everybody just kind of went with it. And I'm well, like, because I'm, if you can establish that life begins at a certain point, then you can unequivocally say, "Hey, this is murder." After this point, right? And that's what they want. The fact is, though, you everybody it's subjective. Everybody has their own opinion about when yeah. life truly begins, and. Honestly, as somebody that is a communist and uh, like a, a revolutionary, I'm not trying to spend time like arguing about when I believe life begins. I believe it begins when when a, a, a fetus no longer requires the mother, the 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 you know the parent to stay alive, um, and. But that's irrelevant because that's my that's my judgment and that's my opinion 
and who am I to place that judgment onto anybody else and take away their bodily autonomy based on that literal opinion? Um, Violet, can I say, can I add something to this? Of course. There's a misnomer about late-term abortions. You know, there's a mythology around this because once you carry, once you carry a child up until when they can be viable outside of the womb, it is no longer abortion. It is a birth. And there are no hospitals. There are no places unless there's medical emergencies that pull a baby out of the womb and, you know, kill a breathing child. That's not something that medically happens. That's a, that's a, it's a mythology, but that mythology is often spoken, you know, by, especially by the right wing and sometimes by the left wing, that's like, oh, we can have abortions up until nine months. And I'm like, guys, but that's, that's technically a birth. So when we're using that kind of language, I feel like it, it, it makes things confusing, right? Because once you are so far along, it's a C-section, you know, it's a, uh, it's either a C-section or it's a live birth, but it's a birth. And that has, that has been medically defined once, just like um, Joy was saying, it's, you can, the, the child is viable outside of the womb. It's technically called a birth and not an abortion. It's not classified as an abortion anywhere. So um, that sort of changes the medical terminology and the the idea of a late term abortion is a falsehood. There will be sometimes um, evacuated pregnancies and things that happen for for health reasons in the third trimester if the baby and the mother's lives are at stake. Um, but it is uh, that in itself is rare. But even these laws may prevent that and can lead to death as well, which is extremely dangerous too. For both both the uh, both the um, infant and the uh, and the the person carrying it. That is a great point. Thank you so much. And you're you're absolutely right. And to me, the the language of of late term abortion and the whole mythology around that it's such a slippery slope because from there that goes into the criminalization of miscarriage. And I mean, you can look at, there are already have been women that have been sentenced to murder for, um, you know, giving birth to, uh, or having a stillbirth rather. And it's, uh, it's terrifying to think that, What's going to happen now that, you know, Texas really tried it with the, we'll give you $10,000 to, uh, to tell on somebody, you know, that that's a, having an abortion. They really tried it, but the, um, the K-pop stance came to the rescue once again. Yeah. Go K-pop. Even though I'm not really a fan of the music. Um, <laughs> but no, bite your tongue, by bite your tongue. <laughs> I'm I'm biting it. K-pop is amazing. I love BTS and Lu- Luna and woo. Yeah, Black King. That Black Pink. Yes. Yes. Go, go K-pop stands. You're amazing. No, but text. 
in all seriousness, Texas really tried it with their little, uh, you know, snitch on your abortion-seeking neighbors, and we'll give you money. Um, it's terrifying to think about how these things can can be weaponized and criminalized in the future. This whole late-term abortion mythology, it's incredibly dangerous. That's exactly what leads to things like, you know, um, when complications occur later in a pregnancy, uh, women will be, birthing people will be punished for that. And that's terrifying. Uh, Brady, go ahead. Hello, I apologize on everything that's happened, and I congratulations on your protest methods being effective. I wish that I would have uh, been a little more active myself. I had a plan to go and find these anti-abortion protesters and force them to watch videos of circumcisions and just to highlight the hypocrisy of their situation. And so one thing that I have done, I just finished a three-hour like podcast on debating abortion and where life begins is a very central argument to the whole thing. And I can help with that later, but I also have a whole list of things that I've done to mitigate the whole situation right now with what we're dealing with at least. So like, as far as what we do now, um, I would recommend looking into male birth control. There's a non-hormonal um, male birth control called basal gel, which you inject into the basal tube between the testicles and the penis, and it prevents um, sperm from coming through. And you can still have all the fun you would normally have with no hormonal side effects. And it's completely reversible by injecting a uh, solvent back into the vassal tubes and it dissolves the gel and everything comes back out again. And you're free to have children again if you want after that. And then another thing would be to focus on sentencing males who get women pregnant without their consent, as opposed to sentencing women for any of these charges would be a good right place there. to look. Let's call them uh, what they are. Yeah, rapist. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, technically, yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that definition. And on that, we can go to the logic of rape and define um, rape as a sex, any sex act that's committed against somebody's will, you know, without their consent. And with that logic, you can consider pregnancy to be a sex act. I mean, sex is very, sex is very directly involved in pregnancy and forcing someone to have a pregnancy could easily be considered rape if you uh, follow the logic there as well. And it, it really helps to call them uh, anti-choice people. They really hate that. Um, bringing up circumcision again um, really highlights the hypocrisy of their situation. Um, uh, let's see. It's the only reason I voted for Joe Biden, honestly. Um, abortion is the only reason I voted for Joe Biden. I live in Texas. I was trying to protect women's rights. And now I realize what an absolute waste of a vote that was, because it was literally the only reason I didn't vote for the Green Party, as much as I didn't even like the Green Party candidate. It was the only reason I did it. And um, I, I didn't like you know. it either. And I just want to highlight how, like, what happened, what y your your voting choice is, how they have been getting people for decades, and we must must break out of this pattern if anything is ever going to change there yeah, will always be you know a life or death 
issue or a most important election ever, right? And so we we must have, I mean, if we, we cannot muster the political will and courage to simply not vote for the Democrats, then we're fucked, right? I, I have, no, no, we're not fucked. I have, I have a solution outside of politics that we can utilize. Um, a lot of this argument is centralized around Abrahamic religion and specifically Christianity and Yahweh as the God. So um, as I've noticed, there's a lot of neighborhoods in every American town with churches sitting empty on every corner, not really doing anything. And there's this huge thirst for real spirituality within the populace, even in the Southern Baptist movement. Um, Southern Baptists love mushrooms just as much as the rest of us do. They're just more closeted about it. And so we need to create a safe space for them to come out and admit that they enjoy psychedelics and that they can benefit from them, you know. And so I recommend that we take over these empty churches and turn them into like little global dojos or universal churches where we have someone new from the community giving a TED talk every weekend and give someone like a, a spiritual alternative that outside of Christianity that's like more available to them. And the Southern Baptist Church themselves recently experienced a sex scandal. I think the Houston Chronicle and San Antonio Express News exposed over 700 victims of some really egregious crimes done to children as young as three years old. And um, I think we really need to highlight that situation on top of everything that's happening right now so that they have to confront the hypocrisy of their stance because the pro-life stance is actually a thinly veiled attempt to uh, cover what would normally be a, a blatant lack of normal human empathy. So it's, it's clear looking at these people that they don't have normal human empathy. They're a little bit psychotic. And so this whole pro-life argument, they kind of use this as a cover for that as a, a way to get the moral high ground. And honestly, the best way to chip away at their moral high ground is through the, the semantic argument of where life begins and I like taking it to the conclusion to say, well, human sperm is a living, you know, human cell. I mean, it has the potential to it has the potential for life every bit as much as a, a or not not as much, but it has the potential of life every bit as much as a, a fetus or a clump of cells does. And um, we should be saving every sperm and every menstruation and freezing them for potential lives in the future, according to this like philosophy. And they'll be like, oh, now, wait a minute. And then they'll contradict themselves with their own logic. Anyone not ejaculating into a receptacle for saving their sperm (laughs) will immediately be sent to the gulag. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) Immediately. Their fundamentalism is that one. And so I think that's my whole list. Also, um, I, I noticed that they kind of run from the debate table. Um, it's really hard to get one of them to face a real debate and get down to the bottom of this. So if you have a pro-life per- or pro-life person, whatever, you know, um, on your page, they're just being really loud and obnoxious and you want to give them an outlet for that. You can send them to, to me directly and say, hey, you should talk to this guy about it. And I'm more than happy to entertain their debates any day of the week. And it's, I find it very Lovely. difficult to find someone from I'll the pro-life movement. I'll keep that in mind because I, yeah. I, I don't have patience for these motherfuckers, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> I will happily, I got all day for these guys. So you just send them my way. I have a really good time making them eat their own words. And um, I think that's my whole list of 
mitigation solutions. Again, the male birth control option is called Vassal Gel. And so, um, does anyone have any questions or? Can you type that out into the chat just so we have it spelled correctly? Because I've yeah. not heard of that, and yeah. and it, it it's a great. I mean, we don't talk enough about about birth control. Um, it, it's always uh, it it's always kind of the the responsibility and the blame for anything surrounding pregnancy is always put on the birthing person right but it it takes two to tango we all know this <laughs> yeah i apologize i would love to stay and speak with you guys but i just finished like a three-hour podcast and i gotta go take care of my girlfriend she just got a bottle of whiskey i know i gotta go over there and help Take a shot for me, because um, I, I can't, I can't drink you know, anymore. I normally, but I normally don't drink, but I'm having I'm having a shot of that whiskey today with her for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure, and and uh... bottoms up. <laughs> yeah, bottoms, bottoms up. up. Bottoms up. Hey, we're gonna be all right, guys. Uh, like I said, I started a secondary religious option called the Global Dojo of Scientology, which is like a jab at Scientology. You know, wait, it's just, did you really start that? I'm, it's in it's in the works. It's in the works. I'm just trying to. I, I got a little bit of support coming up for it, so I'm about to. I might make it legit here soon. You know, um, kind of like the uh, the religion of the flying spaghetti monster. You can make like a legitimate 501c right like that, um, tax free thing, and then from there, just start taking over churches and turn them into community gardens and community markets and um, community health centers, uh, free clinics. Uh, places where people can let their kids uh, stay for free, free education, uh, free health care for the elderly, daycare for the elderly and the youth alike, you know, um, and like to just in homeless to people, see. you know, give homeless people something to do. Um, That's so. direct action. Great stuff, Brady. Would love to hear more it, from you. And, yeah, and make it completely transparent fun. and democratic. And I'm so, I would love to hang out with you guys more anytime. Um, but, uh, I, I just got to go today, but do y'all have no. any questions before Bye. I go? Have a good, no, have a good I shot of whiskey. Totally okay, cool. Thanks, I'll, thanks I'll for your share. It's appreciated. I was reading the chat, yeah, guys, and they now, <laughs> you said that if, if they, uh, what do you call it? What is it? If they out, like, if they made vasectomies illegal. <laughs> That's so okay. true. People would be like, no, you, you know. That's hilarious. Yeah, they're talking about contraception, so I'm like, maybe they'll go too far. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it actually starts impacting white men. <laughs> right. Then it may swing the other way. Good luck, ladies. Let's have a conversation about the definition of where life begins another time, and we can get our debate strategies really hardened and uh, refined. That way, when we do have to confront these people, we're, we just unleash on them they have nowhere to run oh for sure i i I can definitely have another room about that because i have very very strong beliefs about this but i tend to not want to bring that really into the conversation the larger conversation because i feel that we should be focusing more on direct actions and actual material support that we can provide right now 
Uh, but yes. feel, please listen to the the end of this episode because we're about to go into that subject. So I will I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So thank I you. Will, for we'll your do, I'll, I'll be in the comments. Awesome. Thank you so right, much. Cool. Yeah. Good luck to y'all. Y'all stay up. Keep it up. Thank you. That's been a pretty good conversation, Vi. I, I think there's a lot of good points, um, all different angles, and you know. Yeah, for sure. And um, I've definitely <laughs> say that I'm saying vote harder. <laughs> oh my God, that is their response to everything. Vote hard. I, I mean. How many of y'all have seen people today on wherever you like to frequent on social media saying, vote, vote, vote for who exactly? Um, Not the Democrats, right? Uh, If you want to bring electoralism into this, you have to talk about third parties, but I don't want to even get started on the electoralism discussion because, oh shit, we've already been going for two hours? Wow. That's pretty impressive. Um, because I really do want to talk about the um, the direct action that we can take in this moment and in the upcoming weeks, months, and years uh, to provide material support emergency services for people that are seeking abortions now and in the the upcoming near future and um there are there it's not hopeless you know all hope is not lost i want everybody to know that um even if you're for example here in texas where i am which has some of the strictest uh, trigger ban laws going into effect today. There is hope and there are ways uh, of getting an abortion. If, if you are requiring an abortion like today, tomorrow, when you're nearing that that cutoff point, please uh, DM me. Uh, feel free to DM me, even if you're not in Texas. Uh, my DMs are always open. But I'm, I, I do want to talk about uh, these other options. So I'm just going to pull up some information. Give me a sec if anybody wants to uh, comment on anything else while I pull that stuff up. Um, I was just going to say, I think that legal funds are going to be huge. Because like in Kentucky, they're even talking about making it illegal. I mean, if you cross state lines, so if they start to criminalize this, we're going to have to be able to, I mean... What are they going to do? Call us in? Do invasive pap smears? You know, I mean, what are they going to do to us? I really don't know. But we're going to have to have legal aid and even almost like an underground railroad for abortions, you know, um, where people can safely cross state lines, where there's, you know, mutual aid housing, where people can stay um, and people who can go and pick, pick people up and take them similar to what we do for domestic violence survivors right now. You know, there's, I know a network of women that bring 
women to their house who are being abused to hide them out um, because the legal system isn't going to do shit. And as soon as you go out and you get an EPO on somebody, you know that that first 48 to 78 hours is when people get killed after they get the protection orders. So that kind of goes on and, and women just pull together and they buy food for the families and they shelter them in their own houses. I feel like there's going to be there's going to need to be a network like this for for um, support to abortions, uh, to safe abortions as well. Yeah, I was actually in the beginning of this chat. Well, I kind of came into it, I think, half an hour late or 25 minutes late. But um, I was asking Vi, I'm like, well, what's you know, what recourses do we have? And, you know, me, I'm thinking legally and then Vi being the revolutionary commie, she, she's like, no, it's like not we're going to have to actually like do something like bother people and figure out and then on on the other strategic end like you're saying we're going to have to help people who you know who are going to need you know who are going to try to access this might get in trouble for trying to seek the access in an appropriate state or a haven state and it's not going to go you know it may not go well and I was telling Vi I know that they really like law enforcement or, you know, legally they like to use the state versus federal loophole and, you know, whichever is convenient at the time that they're going to, you know, they're going to try to get somebody for, you know, trying to cross a border and so a state border. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, a lot, a lot unknown, but a legal fund, I think is a good idea. Um, every community should probably build one, um, have one set up, I believe, uh, legal offices hopefully will practice a mutual aid and offer these services too because um, it, it'll be needed. Uh, other mutual aid I think will be needed as well so um, it, it's just not it's not good and I don't know where plan B falls into all this because um, I haven't read yet technically if it's a if they're going to say you know oh they're they're coming after that too yeah because i always knew for them for me it was never a gray area but like but for the people looking to you know to grasp at straws it's like they're gonna i i have a feeling they will attack plan b which is just becoming affordable it's now over the counter you know so it's i i just it's hard to wrap my mind around what the solution will be so because it really, it, this affects so many people. And a lot of it, like we were saying, the disability, low income, minority, are, you know, and like they care, you know, so, and they don't, of course. So we'll just, we'll have to see what happens. No, we'll have to, we'll have to, to do what happens. It's honestly in our hands. We cannot sit around and wait for anybody else to help us because no one is coming to save us except for us. I really want to emphasize that to everybody here. If they have gone this far, and frankly, (laughs) I'm going to be real honest, it's been way too far for way too fucking long for y'all to not have risen up in and and I'm including myself in this in revolution already okay but <laughs> the 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 solutions are going to come from us 
we are the only ones that are going to take care of us, period. Period, period, point blank, period. Which is why mutual aid, which uh, the term itself has been getting a lot of... um, a lot of traction lately, and um, it's been misused quite a bit. People don't really understand what mutual aid is. They think that uh, you slap that hashtag onto any tweet where you want to just make some money, and that's mutual aid. No, that is not mutual aid, okay? Um, and, you know, I've taught... Uh, workshops on this shit before so i'm not gonna do that right now i'm gonna post an article um in in the chat that goes delves into mutual aid as a concept um but what i do want to talk about is mutual aid in the context of uh abortion reproductive rights so we've got legal funds um that looks like individual state by state groups that collect money which goes to all of the expenses associated with someone having to seek an out of state abortion so for example there is the the Lilith the Lilith fund in Texas it's the the leap both fund for reproductive justice. If you donate money to them, that money goes into a fund, which is then either equally distributed. It depends on the on the group you're you're talking about, or um, or needs based, means tested, whatever you want to call it. Um, which generally I'm against, but in this situation, there has to be some kind of triaging that occurs. Um, and it does. So for it, it's determined based on how far along the pregnancy is and the level of emergency that it, it is. So, for example, you know, a 10 year old rape victim is, is going to be that's, uh, you know, you know, eight weeks is going to be prioritized over somebody that's, you know, maybe still just two weeks and uh, stuff like that. So there's the legal funds and they are important. And I have a list of them. That's something else that I will, I'll be posting in the chat and I'll also be, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I have a thread up on Twitter right now. Um, Everybody, my Twitter is in my profile. So if y'all follow me, um, I'm going to be adding all the resources that I talk about today and that I, uh, everything that I've read from, uh, all the source material, I'll be posting it, um, adding to that thread. Um, and that includes all the legal funds that, um, you could donate to, uh, you can, there's a way you can look up the ones in your state, uh, in your city, find one by you or, there is the National Network of Abortion Funds as well, which distributes the money uh, equally throughout the states. Um, so that's number one. There's the legal funds. Then 
mutual aid funds that are run by activists, which are essentially like a similar type concept, but um, <clears throat> it's more grassroots and, and on the on the ground based, and um, a lot of these mutual aid funds are are closely work closely and are closely tied to other collectives that can help provide um what they like to call DIY, you know, reproductive care. Um uh, I don't know what TOS is on this website, so I'm I'm gonna play it safe and not say too much. Uh if you need help, like I said, my DMs are wide open. But then there's also um um what, what's, what's it called I, I don't know how to pronounce it miss frostone it's uh it's the drug that induces abortion um there are ways that this drug can be mailed to people legally um there are it's some kind of loophole i'm not exactly sure um like I said, I will be posting all the information. Um, and like Zana uh, brought up, the concept of a sort of underground railroad of, uh, well, I I like would love if we could kind of come up with a different term for for it. Um, I, because yeah, it, it needs its own. It, term let's just call it a network of of helpers for now um that basically would help a person seeking an abortion throughout the entire process because right it's not just uh you pop into cali and and they they take care of you and that's that right there are so many factors that need to be considered um from the age of the person uh even in liberal california which is saying like hey you know we'll be the the place where you can come to get a board we'll take all the women from other states even they have you know um laws around abortion uh i believe they do require parental consent under the age of 16 i believe that's what that that was for california um so for example things like underage uh people seeking abortions who cannot get parental consent that's a whole other thing that requires resources it requires people that are knowledgeable in this field social workers um all of this needs to be coordinated uh there's travel there's housing there's follow-up medical care there's non-insured people there's I mean, it's truly, once you, I mean, I don't, I have not written a list yet, but I could sit here and write a full list of, of all the different factors that can impact how 
it would look to seek an abortion out of state. And um, I would love to bring any more speakers up so that we can make this more of like a, a conversation. Because uh, this, is, this is the part of the show that um, is really about bringing the community into it to collectively look for solutions. Um, hey, Brady, good to have you back up. So, uh, yeah, so like this underground network of, of helpers, for anybody that's not, if I'm not explaining this well, I'll just paint a hypothetical picture uh, so that maybe you can get an idea of what I'm talking about here. So, you've got to think. should call it the Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, I'm sorry. I think that's fitting. You should call it the Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> that's good. And is it possible to blot it on paper like acid and like mail it to someone like a letter? They could just make a tea out of potentially. That's, that's um, Also, Queen Anne's lattice is a type of like wild carrot, and if you make like a tea <clears throat> or a soup from the seeds, it works as like a natural kind of um, abortion okay. medication. Yeah. Okay. And it can be grown right if there, it's like a protest. On that, I want to just be really careful, just because, uh, like I said, I don't know TOS on this website. I want to make sure that we're not um, encouraging anybody to, you know, use uh, an herb because there are there are many herbs and plants that you can you can search and and find that they will induce abortion. However, a lot of these are not safe, um, or rather, the safety can't be guaranteed, and it's it's different for different bodies. And like I said, you know, when you bring illness and, and, you know, genetics into it, everybody's body responds differently. So we want to give, obviously there are people that are desperate in desperate situations. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly why I started off the space by reading a little bit about what life was like prior to Roe, what, what it looked like to get an abortion before Roe, how many people died, and um, for anybody that missed it, 10,000 women, 10,000 10, women a year died getting uh, illegal abortions before Roe, and like I said, with statistics, especially ones that involve sensitive topics like this, I usually like to consider that if the, the statistics are not outright altered, that they're on the conservative side. So I would consider that number to be probably low. Um, and, you know, that's where this slogan, we won't go back, you know, the hanger symbol, that's where this comes from. Because 10,000 people a year died perfectly preventable deaths. Abortion is a quick, safe procedure. 
but instead we had 10,000 plus women, people a year dying for no reason, for absolutely no reason. So I do, while I do want us to, because like I said, I'm a communist and I believe that the only solution to this is one that's a radical direct action. I also want to be careful not to, um, not to suggest or, or give kind of medical advice. Um, but just actually let people know that those alternatives exist and then they can possibly find them on their own if they are in such a desperate situation. But before you, 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 you do that before you are get to that level of desperation, please know that there are groups and there are orgs that will help you navigate this um, in a safe way. So, like I said, again, my DMs on Twitter, always open. Message me here, always open, anytime. And I'm so sorry to have cut you off, Brady. Uh, so, continue uh, just with that in mind. Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up, actually. It's a really good point. And what I was actually going to float is that you, it might make a really good kind of protest plant. Like I'm a, I'm a community gardener. And so I had an idea to just plant a whole bunch of Queen Anne's lace just as a protest. Like you want your daughters taking this stuff? Like, nah, go ahead and make it safely available, you know? Um, but yeah, it's a good point. It's a dangerous herb. And I'm not even completely familiar with the um, chemical component that has that action anyway. Um but it's, yeah, these are the kind of things that women have to turn to in this situation. It's absolutely insane. Uh, I had another point, but I forgot it and I'm on my way out the door. But thank you so much for having this conversation and having me on. And I encourage everyone to call in and let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, anything. Just uh, good to hear from you all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brady. Your contributions to the conversation have been great. Appreciate it. Um, so did anybody have any thoughts on that or anyone, anyone? Okay. So, um, did I just, did he just request again and I kicked him off? Oops. Wait. Oh no. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. It's my first time my first time hosting on this app, so I'm still getting used to the technical aspects of it. My bad. Um so uh I believe I was uh gonna give like a hypothetical did I do that yet? Like a hypothetical no I didn't. Okay. So a fifteen year old gets pregnant in Texas. Um and, and I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna do the they were raped thing because we talked before about how, you know, abortion on demand without apology. We don't need to explain ourselves to anyone. It's a 15 year old that doesn't want the rest of their life to be devoted to raising a child while they themselves are still a fucking child. So. What some of these mutual aid networks could look like is 
this 15 year old, let's call them, you know, B, right? B would contact uh, one of these orgs. They would do an intake and find out all of B's needs, their situation, um, any medical information that's necessary, um, and any information about the the way the pregnancy was conceived, all of that would be done in an intake. Uh, that intake would allow the org to determine what services that B needs. So let's just say B comes from a low-income community. They don't drive. They can't afford uh, airfare. Um, their parents do not support them getting an abortion. They want them to have the, the, the child and give it up for adoption instead. Um, so those would be some of the needs determined by, by the org initially, right? So because this person would need transportation funds, they would contact another org that collects money specifically for paying for transportation for those seeking abortions. And then they would contact another fund that actually pays for the abortion. And then they would contact somebody that uh, from an org that provides transportation, like drivers and stuff like that. And in that case, these drivers will be fully vetted, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, I probably should have used like an 18-year-old as an example, just because no investigation, no right to speak, and I, I'm not exactly sure of the specifics when it comes to what happens when a um, when a child can't get parental consent in a state that requires it. But, so let's say B is uh, 17, because I don't want to talk about something I don't know. And so in California, that B, B can get this, uh, they can get the abortion uh, legally at, at that age. They don't need their parents' consent. So the orgs get the money for transportation costs, gas, uh, rental car. And usually the driver will donate their time. Um, the other org would provide the funds for whatever clinic um, the abortion would be given at. Uh, because Texas to California is a... How long is that drive? Like, it, it's a long drive. There, there would need to be um, a stop, right? So, for example, there's another org that focuses on housing people that are actively traveling for abortions. And in that situation, um, that org could either use money raised for hotels or uh, people that donate 
housing, uh, temporary overnight housing. So through the uh, everything through these orgs would be vetted. You know, anybody involved in this would be vetted. Um, so let's say bees getting their abortion. They've gone through this. They've they've gone their intake. They've gone to this mutual aid org. They're getting their abortion on Thursday. So on you know on Monday, they're picked up. But and you know they bring a buddy because safety safety first right. Um, they bring a buddy, someone to, a support person, and the driver, and the driver's uh, uh, replacement because you should always have two drivers. They rent their car. They rent the car using the funds that have been raised. They pick up B and their support person. And they head out of Texas towards California. Uh, they make a stop in, I don't know, the route to Cali. Sorry, y'all. Bumblefuck wherever, right? <laughs> they, and uh, they stay there overnight. Or they're given funds for a hotel. Then they make it to Texas, or they make it to California. The person goes in for their first appointment at the clinic. Um, and this is another thing. There are waiting periods in many states. Uh, and, and this is really why it's so important for us to be organizing like locally within our communities, because every state has different laws, different stipulations, different, um, you know, barriers put in place, uh, to make getting getting an abortion as difficult as possible so um there's there's going to be a waiting period right uh so in california they check into their hotel b has their own room with their support support person um and they go in for their consultation at the clinic everything's okay medically uh the doctor gives the go-ahead for the abortion to take place uh, um, on Thursday. So it's when it's a Tuesday. They've got one day of spending in Cali and then on Thursday the abortion takes place. They're monitored for some time after that to make sure they're okay and then they take the drive home to, to Texas stopping once again for a night over either in a hotel or in one of, you know, one of these houses uh, that somebody might offer up for or donate. So that's just an example of how, like, one of these uh, underground railroad type uh, networks might work for just for anybody that, like, was not clear on, like, the concept. Um, and to be clear, a lot of these organizations do exist already. Like I said, I will be posting links to them. Um, I actually believe there's already somebody that has compiled a Google Doc of of resources state by state. Um, I'm going to look for that, actually, and, and post it as well. Um, but, again, the most minor thing in a situation like this can become 
the most major barrier. And um, like, for example, in Texas, I guarantee you a lot of these orgs are based in Austin, right? But what about the person that lives in, hey, babe, what's a random bumfuck place in Texas? <laughs> well, I'm not going to use that. Come on. All right, let's say... Tyler, Tyler, drooling. Tyler, I need another guy from Tyler. Tyler, Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. Okay. If you if you live in Tyler, Texas, Tyler, Texas needs an org there. I guarantee you there isn't one. Austin's six hours away. There needs to be as many resources as we can provide as possible. So look into your your city and you know the surrounding, the closest surrounding cities, see if there exists already a, an organization. And if it doesn't start that shit, start it tonight, come up with a name for it. Start texting your friends, put up a tweet, put up a Facebook post, depending on your age, I guess, put a TikTok up, whatever it is get people together tell them you know we have to do something about the supreme court decision and the thing that's going to help the most people in this moment is direct action mutual aid start that shit tonight or tomorrow if you're busy tonight but don't wait for you. What do you think about, um, I can't stand Planned Parenthood in a lot of ways because I feel like they fundraise and they don't do anything a lot of times. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but right now, you know, people have been giving to it right now might be an opportunity to push them to release some of those damn funds instead of giving it to Democrats, instead of endorsing these candidates, release some funds to some local organizations. to. Yes, do thank you. That is a great point. I too, <laughs> in my baby activist days, I I organized with Planned Parenthood quite a bit. I was um, back in New York. I was part of the Planned Parenthood Direct Action Committee or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, and honestly, like, you know what they use the money for is. For example, <laughs> they paid for um, a, a fleet of coach buses to take a group of us down to D.C. for a protest, I guess, a demonstration, because it wasn't really, I, I, I wouldn't call it a protest, because generally when you protest, you're protesting against something or for something. We were just kind of standing around and with signs like saying, you know, abortion is healthcare. Um, but they gave us all T-shirts, so that was cool. <laughs> uh, they got the T-shirts made for sure, um, and then we went to uh, talk to our representatives, half of whom wouldn't see us. Actually, the majority of whom wouldn't see us. And the ones who did 
you know, did the whole, we hear you, we see you, like, but we're not going to do anything about it thing, so, yeah, Planned Parenthood is not my favorite, NARAL, Pro-Choice is on my shit list, too, there's a whole bunch of them, to be, to be quite honest, the bigger ones, the more national ones, uh, yeah, it's a great idea, I, I think that if you're interested, we should start that campaign for Planned Parenthood to release those funds, um, they make so much money, or they take in so much money. Um, yeah, just thinking we could take some of those liberals' money because you know what? We don't have much. I'm thinking right. about, you know, just organizing like the domestic violence situations I was telling you about. The problem was is that most of us didn't have money, and you have to have money even to be able to have gas to be able to go take somebody or to have them, you know, housed in your house or to be able to do, I mean, really anything. It's like, I love pets and I love pet rescue. So please don't take this the wrong way. But I see people giving way more money to that than like things like this. And they're both important. <laughs> so I'm just like, is there a way we can free up these libs money to do something actually real with it? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, libs honestly sometimes care about dogs more than people. I'm going to just say it because that shit is the truth. Who does? Right? libs liberals like <laughs> yeah you'll see more outreach on a post of a cop shooting a dog than you know a brown person like <sighs> it makes me sad but um i feel like the way that most liberals virtue signal about this is by donating money Right. So we definitely want to be able to direct where some of that money is going. Uh, because I have noticed that liberals are, liberals are, they are right. Okay. They're good. They got, they have money, man. Like they're donating just not to mutual aid funds not to individual people that are in need. It's always, you know, a tax write-off, uh, which is a whole other scam that we'll maybe get into on some, uh, the nonprofit industrial complex. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Speaking of liberals, please donate. Yes. Don't donate to anything that's democratic. Don't vote to act blue. Uh, the Democrats don't need your money to fight anything pro-choice. Facts. Stop donating to de- Democrats, which you should have done years ago. Anyway. Facts. But Bernie could have prevented this, Michael. Come yeah. on now. So, so could have Hillary. Oh, wait. Obama, I think, Listen. really could have prevented it. Thanks, Obama. Oh, That's what yeah. I was going to say earlier. Obama, Thanks, RPG. Who, who it wasn't priority for or wait was it no, i don't remember he, the first right. 100 days he's gonna codify it into <laughs> law but oh that didn't happen that was the campaign promise from what i remember and then yep. when when it actually came to fruition that he became president 
He said it wasn't a priority. Yep. And this is the cycle, y'all. This is what the Dems do, and they will not... If you think that after years and years and years of this strategy working for them successfully, if y'all think they're going to stop that shit now, I don't know. I got a bridge in Oklahoma to sell you uh, some beachfront property. Like, honestly... You gotta be done with the duopoly. It, you, it, they are not on our side. They do not care about us. And this, this is in reference not just to reproductive rights and healthcare, but I'm talking everything, absolutely every in every circumstance. The Democrats will do the bare minimum. To help us if if it makes them look good or they feel like it or an election's coming up, but only then and only if it doesn't actually make any significant change to the status quo. So just- Well, you know, Violet, they had like not I'm sorry, I think I interrupted. I didn't mean to. No, no, but they had, you know, there was a, there was hundreds of judgeships open at the end of Obama's term, and he was just convinced, they were all convinced Hillary was going to win, right? There's no way this Trump guy could win. So they just left those stupid-ass judge, judgeships open, and um, the Republicans were like, woo this is freaking amazing, and conservatives knew then, because they were talking about it then, back in 2015, that they were going to take all those judgeships, vote for Trump, vote for Republicans, so we can take those judgeships, so that we can reverse Roe versus Wade, so that we can do all this crap that they're doing now at the Supreme Court, because if they could get something passed, um, through a judge locally, they could escalate it to a conservative Supreme Court, which they stacked. Um, they have a minority stacked, um, a minority favor um, Supreme Courts in most states. So it's not the majority in these states. It's that people weren't voting because they weren't running Democrats. They weren't running anybody. So they ended up having a minority state house. That means like your 70% of the state doesn't support what that state house is doing. 70% don't support what those Supreme Court justices are doing because they don't run in Texas. They don't run in Kentucky. They don't run in the South. And so they just basically came in. Not that the Dems would have done anything if they would have, but they left the judgeships open and then Trump filled them all, filled the most judgeships in American history. So this is escalated. It's happened. They kept the promise and they organized their asses off to do this. They organized way harder than the left ever has to get this done. And they were methodical. They were strategic. They were on the ground. They were having barbecues and shit. Um, That's how they did it. The right is far more organized in this country than the left has ever been. And except maybe, you know, during the times of the New Deal. But honestly, y'all, we, we oh, it, it, it's a little bit daunting when you when you think about it. But this plan has been in place since I mean, since Roe v. Wade was passed into law, they have been organizing how they're gonna fucking take it down. 
And the thing is, they they never their attention was never. They kept their eye on the ball, and look, they got what they fucking wanted. It might have taken thirty twenty years, but they got what they wanted. Uh, however, we don't have the luxury of time because women will be dying, birthing people will be dying tomorrow, potentially. Today, potentially. I mean, because of this shit. And they're going to be our people. They're going to be the proletariat. They're going to be marginalized people. They're going to be brown people, black people. They're going to be disabled people. They're going to be queer people. They're going to be trans people. It's going... It's. I don't know how to stress the urgency of the situation enough. This it this will lead to people dying. And the only way that we're going to combat that is not by looking at long-term, um, you know, legislative solutions to this. We have to. We have to honestly get our shit together as the left and start making shit happen which is why i said google right now if there is an abortion or like like the lilith fund in your area and if there isn't start calling your comrades up start sending them texts out tonight tonight tomorrow and make shit happen I believe in you. I believe in each and every one of you in this room that you have the power to make real material change, to actually help someone save a life potentially. And I think you have the power to do that. To add, like, if you're in a, like myself in California, I know Zainab, Kentucky has its own. Uh, challenges, but I'm in, I'm in a safe haven state, supposedly. For, we'll see what happens. I don't know what that means at this point, but I also will look into being a part of that too. You know, like what that means on on my end, on the other end. When you're not, you know, this is a place where people have to come to. So, if anything, I do want to make it an easy, you know, this a very complicated journey, easy as easy. You know, if I can make it a little bit easy easier I should say then I'll do that but yeah it's it's a good message and I hope everybody hope everybody starts act you know starts doing something acting reaching out um you know we we could have that mutual aid conversation on how to appropriately approach this from a mutual aid perspective but it's all going to be really important Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I would, if y'all feel comfortable enough dropping your states in the chat, if you want to see if there's somebody even in here that might be in your state. Um, I also know Twitter is a great place for meeting organizers. If you, if you don't know uh, people in your area that you know, share your political beliefs. I know myself being a communist in Texas is like, uh, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a thing. 
<laughs> so it, it's rough to um to find people that are like minded politically sometimes, but uh, there's always there's always ways of networking, and um, I'm also gonna be creating uh Discord for the show, which uh, will have like a little post for e- each episode where people can network and and you know get to know each other because a lot of what I'll be talking about is those kinds of solutions, this direct action and mutual aid and building dual power approach to solving problems that arise in in the Imperial Corps. And, um, yeah, we, we need to actually know people to do that, right? So, so... I'll be building. Um, I hope y'all follow me and um, continue to take part in the discussions we'll be having. Um, <clears throat> the hypothetical uh, so-called underground network, underground railway network that I kind of described before, Parts of that already exist and are doing great work. Parts of that need to be created. Um, And even the parts that do exist, they might not exist in your area, like I said. And for a 15-year-old without a car, without someone to drive them, without parents that they can tell for that 15 year old the distance between Tyler and Austin makes a difference it really does um so uh, yeah I, I cannot urge enough how important it is to be organizing within your communities um and I'd love to I will actually, I already know because I have it planned. I will be doing um, an episode on mutual aid where we're going to talk about what mutual aid is, what it's not, (laughs) um, how we begin to build networks of mutual aid that are effective, that will last long term that can, that are sustainable <clears throat> and and not just individuals posting cries for help on Twitter cuz i know we all see those and those are important um which is why we need to start because i don't know if y'all have noticed but the government's kind of heading in the direction of austerity i know shocker um Whoops, don't know if you heard, but Joe Biden, uh, just, (laughs) this, Mm. he just appointed somebody to what I think is inevitably going to be cutting Social Security. Uh, it's already begun. There have been cuts made to SNAP, um, 
and this has been going on for some time, but it is it is uh, accelerating at a rapid pace now. Disability benefits are being cut. I myself have been fighting to get my disability benefits back for two years now, two years straight, and that's that's a whole another issue for another episode. But they are starting to cut services. And these are the services that people who live in poverty, who are one of the groups that are going to be most affected by the Supreme Court's decision today. There are, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Here we go. He nominated a longtime advocate of social security privatization to the board that oversees social security. So they're just getting started. And these are the funds that many of these people living in poverty use to support these children. And what do y'all think is going to happen when we have a country of forced birth with absolutely no social safety net how how do y'all think that's gonna look i can tell you it is not a pretty sight to imagine it's it's terrifying um and like i said they've gotten started they've made cuts to snap which is food stamps if you are not familiar um They've made cuts to Medicaid. They're starting to make cuts to Medicare. Um, That's another thing that I've been fighting for my prescription coverage back because apparently, like, I'm sick enough to need doctors, but not sick enough to need the medications they prescribe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, like, that's just just a, a warning that WIC you know, um, CHIP, which are probably more the programs that um, people rely on to raise children. Those programs have been, they've been kind of that shit. I know somebody that used to work at, for, for WIC, and yeah, they've they've been cutting that shit for a minute. So... We're going to see the social safety nets start to really disappear. And this is why building up mutual aid networks now is vital. Because people are struggling already now. People are in emergency situations now. And frankly, like, the organizing it needed to, to have been on level red like emergency level dedication to organizing it needed to have been that way for years now but whatever let's not dwell on the past let's let's talk about what we can do today and what we can do today is what y'all can do right now is devote yourself to a level of militancy when it comes to your activism and organizing Devote yourself to being radical and militant and not allowing 
the right to shame you over that, standing strong in your beliefs, standing up for your community, looking around you, seeing a need, and figuring out how to provide, how to, how to fill the gap that the empty space that the, the government, the state leaves us with. Because there are so many people in need. And I'm talking just in general now. In need in every sense of the word. And, you know, future episodes of the show are going to focus on those specific issues, how we can tackle them, etc., etc. But for a first episode that was kind of a little bit unplanned and it happened just because happened today because this happened today like if I can ask one thing of y'all and thank you for coming um make that promise to yourself make that dedication right now say out loud I devote myself to the struggle. I devote myself to my comrades. I I I will put everything I have into making this world a better place. That is something really easy that you can do right now. But only do it if you mean it. And then tomorrow get to work. Period. Does anybody have any um any closing comments? Uh, Mine's just that, on that just kind of on jump, just kind of continuing what you're saying or just, yeah, just basically start networking, start um, be, getting involved because, uh, yeah, the politicians, Supreme Court, they, we, they, we can't. It's just not going to happen on that level. So um, we just have each other and that's it. So, um yeah, I'm also, DMs are open on Twitter. I'm in California, so apparently I'm in a safe, like I said, I, I'll, I just will wait to see what what that means in terms of what we're allowed to, how we're allowed to help people. But um, yeah, I agree. Just, um, it has to start with us. It's not going to start anywhere else. I'll just say, while we're thinking about, like, I thank you, Violet, for inviting me up, and uh, thank you for everything that you've shared because I think that uh you really did your homework before you came onto this call and that was awesome I'm in a lot of spaces where that doesn't happen so thank you for sharing I was like taking notes <laughs> um no joke but I I think that one of the things awesome. is, <laughs> one thing we can do as people is just be there for our family members and our friends you know I called my niece she's uh she's 21 <clears throat> And she said to me, she said, you know that uh, the human species is one of the few species that can't evacuate their own pregnancies. And yet we're taking away a fundamental biological right. And I was like, wow. (laughs) But I do know that, you know, she has some family around her and stuff like that that doesn't support this. So I wanted her to know I support you. I'm here for you. I'm here for any of the kids. Um, 
And that's just one person, but reach out to people that you know, reach out to the people that you love, reach out to your friends, be there for them. And we can be there for each other as we grow this community in small ways like that. A bunch of small waves, you know, can really create a massive one if we all pull together. That was beautifully said. That's right. You know, the flap of the butterfly wings, the Mandela effect. You you can, you might have just told your, your niece, but now she knows that you're that person that she can call if her best friend is in an emergency situation and doesn't know what to do, right? Like... And, and you can help her with information and in whatever way you can. And and she can learn from you. And it, it, it's, it, we, we can spread not just material assistance, but knowledge and, and, you know, even just directing folks to, like organizations that can help them can be a lifesaver uh saying hey i I, this organization can provide you with a b and c but i I do want to just reiterate i think zainab said it beautifully the most important thing you can do is just make it known that you're you you have a heart you're here you 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 care you care deeply you care from the bottom of your heart and that you can help and that can help so many people so many people i i get dms all the time after i do spaces like this like thanking me just for making it known that for example, you know, if I, I've called out the use of a slur in a word, in a space before, for example, something, you know, as little as that, like, which you, we should all be doing, right? Right? Like, make can make such a big impact on someone. And then from that point on, they know what kind of person you are. And they know that, you know, like I said, even if, if you only had told your niece, like, hey, you know, I support you in this situation that you're in, um, and I want you to know that I'm here for you, and, you know, I, if you need information, I can offer it, like, that person can, can then go and tell all their friends, like, hey, I know somebody that can help us if we ever get into this situation, right? Um, and... Yeah, creating space. I'm just going through the chat real quick. I just want to thank everybody that participated. That's awesome, Dana, for the DV stuff. That's something that, uh, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, an anti-rape activist, an anti-DV activist and organizer. I think that's so very important. And just earlier, I remember seeing a comment from somebody. Um, oh, I don't see it anymore. Dang. Oh, well. Um, yeah, just thank you all for coming. And um, 
let's keep talking. Please come back. And um, maybe I'm thinking about doing in a midweek space just to kind of follow up on this topic where we can kind of talk more um like uh, steps like start like actually starting to form collectives and coalitions and groups and stuff like that um and start building the network right like I'm not just going to, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and sit here and tell everybody else, you do the work, right? (laughs) No, I'm going to do it too. Um, And so I'm going to start texting my friends tonight. I'm going to start, matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm not going to say maybe, I'm going to say, I'm going to do a midweek space before the next, uh, the, the, the episode on the next topic. And that space is going to be specifically for like a how to, how do we start building these networks? Um, because I know a lot of people that organize mutual aid. I've done it myself before. Um, and I think that would be a great way for us to continue talking about this because, you know, talking about it one time for one evening it's great, but it's not the work. And I'm all about the work because the work is what, what changes people's lives. So, um, again, thank you all. You are incredible joy. I adore you bestie. Thank you for, for hosting with me and encouraging me to do this in the first place. <laughs> Love you, babe. Of course. Thank you so much for being an unofficial host. It was amazing to have you. You've had so many great contributions. Babe down there. Love you. Thank you, guys. Dan, Nikki, S, Rick, D, A, Thomas, Bloody, Russ, the two people I can't see, and everybody else that joined or that is listening to this after we're ending thank you so much help the people around you tell them you love them all power to the people we will win liberation solidarity i love you all